Hello, hello. Welcome to the next episode of That GD Show. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dave, and my co-host this week, filling in for Genevieve, who is the G part of the GD, just in case you don't know what that GD stands for. It's Genevieve and Dave, not the other thing you were thinking. <laughs> Genevieve is sitting in for Genevieve. Say hi, Genevieve. Hello, everyone. You guys know Jenna. She's an ACA regular. I love her. We got to meet back in Austin about three years ago, didn't we? Oh, my God. It's been that long. It feels, I, I think it has been, yeah. I was like, and that last year? <laughs> last year didn't count. It didn't happen. There, <laughs> I feel like a whole year happened that, that just is gone. And yeah. welcome to our esteemed guest, Andrew Seidel. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how are you? Good to see you, man. You too. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I am so excited. There's so much I want to talk to you. We've only got five hours to do this show, so we're not going to get to everything. No, I'm just kidding. We do an hour, hour and a half. I mean, um, there's, you know, there's not anything happening in the world or with the courts or anything like that. So nothing. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, we're gonna, but we'll think of something to talk about. Okay, we'll see if we can fill the space. Uh, by the way, folks, this is a call-in show called two one seven three seven five. WWDD, that's 9933, or what would Dave do? Um, and call with your questions for Andrew, questions for me or Jenna, comments, complaints. If you've got proof that we're a Christian nation, we'd love to hear that. Um, <laughs> I think I think Andrew, Andrew would, I would love to hear, to hear it. <laughs> or a and, new argument, I even would be. And <laughs> by the way, I forgot to introduce Dexter, and he's mad about that. So, hello, Dexter. <laughs> do we want in. the baby noises we don't care we're not we don't no. try to be anything special we're just folks hanging out talking having conversations well actually he's... this is interesting you know experimenting with being a new mom and being responsible for him basically all day long yeah um, and doing shows because I'm, I'm sure some people might be annoyed. Some people might love the excuse to watch a little baby for an hour and a half. I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm just staring at Dexter the whole time. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Andrew's going to go to his wife later and say, babe, we need to have a baby. Come on. Right. I mean, he's awesome. He's so worth it. But uh, yeah, no, it's fine. We're not worried about that. Now, obviously, if he starts screaming and we can't hear anything, we might have to make a change. But right now, he's being a good boy. Um, so yes, thank you for watching everyone. By the way, I mentioned the, the phone, it's it's listed down below and it'll show up in the in the chats. And be sure to like and subscribe if you're not already. We want to continue to build the channel and build our viewers and um grow what we're doing. And we appreciate you guys. I'm a little discombobulated. I'm in Seattle. Bevan and I are in Seattle. 
So I'm coming to you on Pacific time, which is four in the afternoon here. It just feels weird because, you know, I think of this as an evening show. And so here I am in the middle of the day trying to keep my, my mental clock straight. And so anyway, we're here. Um, so, Andrew, I understand you work, but we're going to get to your first book, um, okay. uh, the, uh, the, the Founding Myth. And, but I understand you're working on a new one. Tell us a little bit about that, if you will. I am working on a new book. Uh, the manuscript's due at the end of November. So, you know, 44, 44 days thereabouts, give or take. Uh, <laughs> so I'm coming down to it. it. The title is, the working title is, and actually this is the first time I've, I've said it out loud. Oh, it's just okay. been my title before my, and now the publisher has, I guess it's not technically official, but it's called American Crusade, how the Supreme Court is weaponizing religious freedom. Oh, holy shit. I, I think it's a pretty good title. I'm a, I'm a fan. And it's, so, it's all, like it. <laughs> so it's all about how the right to religious freedom has historically been this protection uh, that has allowed pluralism and religious minorities and atheism and secularism to thrive in the United States. Mm -hmm. And that lately, basically in the last decade, the Supreme Court along with these uh, these groups that I'm calling the Crusaders, which are sort of the anti-FFRF groups, mm -hmm. are deliberately warping and perverting that protection and turning it into a weapon, a tool to impose their religion on other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I'm, I'm going through all of the cases that have happened over the, the last few years, but I'm telling the stories in the way that a normal person would tell them, not a, not a lawyer. Um, <clears throat> so the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, the gay wedding cake case out of Colorado. Mm -hmm. That's a big one that I'm going to go over. I actually, I interviewed the couple for the book. I knew a few of the lawyers in it. And I really kind of get down and explain what really happened in that case and how the court <laughs> completely blew it. Uh, and yeah. I do that. I do that walking through all of the ones recently, the huge cross that was uh, uh, on the grounds uh, in Bladensburg, Maryland. I get into that one. And so I, and I really show how much this court that has been packed by Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump and the Federalist Society has changed the way that we envision and think mm -hmm. of this, this hallowed right. Uh, so that that's that book. It's it's uh, not available for pre-order yet, but soon. Awesome. Well, uh, just remind us, I'm, I'm sure everybody knows who you are, what you do, but when you mentioned FFRF, Freedom From Religion Foundation, uh, just in case people don't know what that is, you need to check that out. But what what's your role there? How long you've been there? Give us a little background there, Andrew. So I'm a constitutional attorney uh, mm -hmm. been doing First Amendment law, defending the separation of state and church uh, for a decade at the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Oh, actually, wow. My 10 year anniversary is actually on Halloween. Uh, so that's kind of uh, appropriate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. D Dan Barker likes to tell the joke every Halloween that I've been scaring uh, the some something out of the Christian nationalists for X number of years. Um, you can fill in whichever blanks you prefer on that one. Can, can we just all agree <laughs> that Dan tells the worst jokes? I, I hope he, <laughs> I hope he listens to this because I think everyone realizes he's just got the worst jokes. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, you've never had to sit through a meeting with him. Oh my god! <laughs> let alone like weekly meetings. So, hi, Dan. <laughs> I love Dan. Dan, I love you. You know, I love you, buddy. But come on, you shut the worst jokes. 
Uh, I'm sorry. But, go ahead. No, it's it's okay. Uh, so Dan is the one of the co-presidents of the Freedom from Religion Foundation, along with Annie Laurie Gaylor. And mm -hmm. FFRF has been around uh, since 1976, uh, and it ha basically has two purposes: we work to educate and to separate. So we work to educate the public about what it is to be a non-believer, and then we work to keep state and church separate. I see. Yeah. See, Dexter <laughs> likes it too. Yeah. So you know. I, it's 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 a lot of fun. I I couldn't ask for a better job. Um, you know, getting up every day and dedicating your legal career and education to defending the First Amendment. I mean, that is kind of as as cool as it's, and exciting as it gets. It's incredibly important work. Uh, I met you uh, almost two years ago. We were up the FFRF. Yeah. I was doing a session on uh, Free Thought Ra uh, TV, and so got the tour of the facility, met you. I understand your writing habit is that you get up about 5 a.m. and write. Is that correct? That's correct. I get up every morning at 5 a.m., uh, grab my coffee, wow. and I sit down to write for a couple hours before the house gets up. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's the only way I can carve time out of the day, well, really. So. Doing amazing work. Uh, you know, I got to confess something, and we'll get it, we're going to get to a call here. And by, by the way, um, the calls don't always correlate with the subject matter of the show. So I hope you guys are okay with that. But um, Totally fine Dex by me. Dexter's cool with it. Um, but uh, Super Bowl commercial, Jeep, Bruce Springsteen. Mm -hmm. I completely missed it. I got caught up in the sentiment, and I love Bruce Springsteen, and I thought, oh, that's, how cool is that? Uh, and Bevan, my, my wife, Bevan, she comes in and says, that's horrible. Yeah. That's horrible. They can't do that. And I so, thought, uh, oh, my God, I missed it. I Did you remember that? Give her an update on the commercial, Andrew. I mean, yeah, it was a commercial. Basically, I mean, the, I think you're right. The intent was, you know, let's bring the country together, kind of. Yeah. But it centers on this church that's at the geographic center of the United States. And, I mean, religion is the most divisive force known to, to humanity. <laughs> it's one, mm. one of the reasons the Founding Fathers chose to separate state and church to form a secular government was to minimize something that was always so divisive i mean you know go back and right. read what james madison wrote he he wrote about the torrents of blood that had been spilled in the old world over basically stupid religious differences um so it it, it really was something that we deliberately sought to exclude from our government because of its power to divide right uh, so so turning to that turning to religion specifically you know heartland christianity to well, try the to unite the countries yeah the <laughs> implication the implication of the commercial that that it was it was subtle but but you know it was effective and that was their purpose was that the only way this country is going to come yeah. together is around religion this cute little chapel in the center of our nation well and and the more insidious uh message right is to be part of this country you have to be a Christian. You have exactly. to be a church going Christian. And, and, and that is um, at, at the heart, that is uh, Christian nationalism. That's what, I, that's what I've been kind that's of exactly banging a drum for like, I don't know, I don't know how long now. About. And you guys wrote a letter after that commercial. Tell us about that. What happened? You, you kind of spearheaded that letter. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, this is one of the things that the Freedom From Religion Foundation does. We don't just work to uphold the law, right? There was nothing illegal about that letter, but we, we also take the opportunity uh, to educate both the mm -hmm. public and people in power uh, and, and, you know, I mean, businesses. Uh, we've written to hotels before asking them to, 
stop stocking the Gideon Bibles in every hotel room because you know that's kind of outdated. And we've actually been quite successful on that. Um, and really? The num- yeah, the numbers are pretty encouraging. It's a lot, a lot of hotels are just doing away with that now. So what do you say to people who, like, for example, I would imagine my family saying, to bringing up the whole, well, the Bible says that good will become evil and evil will become good. And this is mm. what's happening is the Bible's being removed and everybody's breaking <laughs> up, right? Yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a lot to say about the Bible. <laughs> uh, um, I, I don't I I'm not a fan of using the Bible to justify anything, um, especially public policy. Mm. Uh, I mean, and, and for every for every statement in the Bible, you can find a contradiction. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. know, if, if the Bible says uh, the, one of the examples I use in the founding myth, uh, you know, eat your peas and don't eat peas. They'll, you, you'll go to hell if you, you eat peas. The Bible has no credible, reasonable stance on eating peas in that instance. Right. And it, right. should be, it should be ignored. Also, it was written millennia ago where we, you know, we didn't know about the germ theory of disease. So to point to that, for instance, to guide our response to, I don't know, say like a lethal pandemic seems to me to be rather absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want us to get back to this conversation, but I want to take the call we have waiting. And um, Jenna, I might get you to lead the response to this. You're quite experienced with these kind of questions. It's Gordon from California. He's a regular caller. By the way, folks, I see some in the chat, some conversation about Supreme Court, Christian nationism, things like that. If you've got questions about these things, please give us a call. Get on the air. We'll talk about it. But we've got Gordon. Did he make a mistake? when answering that his mother in hospice is non-religious. Let's take Gordon. Hey, Gordon, you there? Hey, yeah, Dave, everyone. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, the situation was a couple of years ago, uh, my mom was put in hospice care. She was uh, at a care facility. And as she was being admitted, actually uh, two social workers uh, sat down with me and they had some questions to ask a number of different topics and uh one of them was what is your mother's spiritual needs Mm -hmm. and i replied that she didn't believe any of that stuff and that's true my mom was an atheist i mean she didn't really talk about it she believed that everyone should have the right to believe or disbelieve whatever they wanted she never she was not religious in any way the social workers were, um, they were alarmed when they heard that. And hmm. in fact, the one of them said to me, well, everybody has to believe in something. So I suppose I was being contradicted on that point. But uh, yeah. the situation in the care facility. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, go ahead. Uh, I'm just saying I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. The, oh, okay, great. Yeah, the situation in the care facility, unfortunately, was uh, not a happy one at all. It was um, quite miserable. My mom was in late stages Alzheimer's, so mm. there was really no no hope for her. She had shingles, so she had to be uh, isolated, and eventually she passed away due to a stage four bed sore, and that was just a horrendous uh, situation because they would give her uh, painkillers, but only enough that the painkillers would then wear off after a few hours and the the pain would come back. So 
I talked with my mom many times about the subject back before the Alzheimer's. And this was not the way she wanted to go. Not at all. And uh, I felt that throughout the time that she was in hospice, they were encouraging her to eat when she didn't want to eat. And they wanted her, they wanted to drag it out as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And she was only suffering. It was, And the question I asked is, why not let her go? Uh, every day I thought about bringing her home to let her die at home, but I wasn't equipped for that. I didn't have the medication. And frankly, I was afraid that I could be arrested for uh, elder abuse if I just let her die at home. But anyway, I'd ask, you know, my mom's suffering. This isn't what she wants. Why not let her go? I've talked with her about it, and she's made her views very clear. And they had two responses to that. The first response was, well, you know, maybe that's what she said in the past, but she might have changed her mind. And my reaction was, well, she has late stage Alzheimer's disease, so she doesn't really have a mind to change. And the other response that I got was, well, you see, in the silence, because my mom really wasn't speaking at that point, but they said, in the silence, she could come into communion with God, and then that would that would save her. That that would mean that she would get a privileged position in the afterlife. I suppose that means that she would go to the good place as opposed to going to the bad place. So I was wondering if the Christians and the social worker, many of the caregivers that came in and were forcing food down her throat, were crucifixes, and I'm wondering. Did they believe that suffering for my mother was good because it was pleasing to God? And I wondered if I made a mistake in saying that my mother wasn't religious. If I had just said, oh, yeah, she's a devout Catholic or whatever, maybe they would have thought, okay, we can just let her go and... um, she'll fly away to heaven because uh, she's good with God as it is right now, as opposed to saying, well, let's, let's make the, the atheist suffer more so that mm. uh, it will, uh, it will please whatever deity they happen to believe in. Anyway, that's the situation. There's more to say, but I don't want well, to. Well, um, Andrew, was- yeah, hold on a minute, uh, Gordon. Let's, let's respond to that a minute. Andrew, Jenna, any thoughts on that? I wonder if, what is it that you're worried might have happened? Because if they think that it was good, then, I mean, that's their own opinion that I, I'm not sure how that would affect her medical health. Are you concerned that they may have like ignored her or maltreated her? No, I think, I think his response, let me, as as I see it, he was saying that because he told them that she was non-religious, they treated her differently than they would have if, if they had thought she was religious and the treating differently may have been that they were, he's surmising they may have been wanting to either get her right with, or keep her alive longer and get her right with God or treat her differently because she was an atheist. Is that kind of what you're saying, Gordon? That's what I'm saying. One of the things that I heard from people is even if she's incapable of talking, the longer Mm -hmm. she lives, the greater the likelihood is that she will 
accepts mm-hmm. Jesus into her mm-hmm. heart or whatever. It, it was clear she didn't want to eat. And yet they bring in the tray of food three times a day. Yeah. I mean, what, what are your thoughts, right now, Andrew? What, are, what is your what, reaction what, what, to that? I mean, Gordon, right. I think the, the first thing I want to say is you did not make a mistake. Good. I mean, tell you, you told the truth. You did not make a mistake. You were advocating for your mom. Uh, and the most importantly, you should not have to lie yeah. to avoid the mistreatment of another person. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so you did nothing wrong in this situation. That, that's the number one thing that I hope you take away from, from this call. Uh, this is sadly incredibly common in the United States. Uh, religion preys on the vulnerable deliberately. Yes. Uh, the, re- the reason that you see religion involved in spaces like hospice and hospitals and adoption and foster and homeless sh- shelters is not because they are really out there trying to take care of these people, but to take care of those people so that they can bring them to Jesus. Uh, and and you, we see this time and time again. And I'm actually getting into it in the new book. Um, you know, for instance, when, um, uh, what's a good example? When Illinois, um, the state of Illinois um, said that uh, we're going to recognize, this was b- before same-sex marriage, but we're going to recognize domestic partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, Catholic charities in the state was going to have to place uh, adoption and foster kids with gay couples all of a sudden. And instead of doing that, instead of placing children in loving homes, which is what they purport to do, they shut down. Yeah, because they they would rather follow their religion backward, though it might be in these instances, than actually help people. And that is what you ran in. You ran into that buzzsaw, you and your mom. It's it's not your fault. Uh, and it, yeah, it, it's something that we really need to work on in this country. Yeah, everything everything Andrew said, but also Gordon. Let me add, uh, having I deal with this subject of death a lot, as you know, uh, my dying out loud work and dealing with a terminal illness and those things i've seen over and over again that the mindset in this country is to keep someone alive as long as possible regardless of what they're going through regardless of what kind of a disease they're they're dealing with um i have a suspicion it sounds like that was a catholic hospital but i don't know but i have a suspicion they wouldn't have treated her any differently their their mindset is to keep someone going and keep them hanging on as long as possible so I don't want you to beat yourself up that maybe because you told the truth, as Andrew said, you just simply told the truth. I don't want you to beat yourself up that you did something that would cause your mom even more pain and suffering than would have normally been the case, because I think they would have done what they did regardless of what you'd have told them. Um, and, And as Andrew said, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that you should ever be in a position where you feel like I've got to lie about my my loved one's religious persuasion in order to get them better treatment at a hospital. That's, that's hideous and should be criminal. Um, so can I say something on that? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jenna. I can't say anything right now because there's, there's a lot of stuff going on, but what I have to say about this particular topic is that I, the main reason that I don't want to have a second child is because of religion and hospitals. Wow. I will say that at least. Wow, that's heavy. 
It's a, it's a prep. We need lawyers fighting this. I don't know, Andrew. You know anybody that can do this? I, <laughs> I mean, this is a like, like this is actually a a massive deeper problem um, that we're just like we're scratching the surface of right now because you, religion in this country operates to tear down the social safety net on purpose so that it can occupy that space to win yeah. souls. Uh, I mean, and, and it, it's it's. You can see it in just about every area of, I mean, from education, right? I mean, a lot of the a lot of the cases that I'm writing about in the new book actually seek to to tear down the public schools, effectively destroy the public schools, um, send kids to private religious schools. Uh, at, at the there was just a case this last term uh, involving foster care again. Uh, it, every one of these spaces you see churches trying to fill, and if you look you know, ac across the pond and you look at, you know, the, the Scandinavian countries or anywhere in Europe, they have these massive social safety nets yeah. um, that, that actually take care of people and churches can't occupy that space. And it's not a coincidence that they are significantly more secular. Yeah. It's I a mountain. It's a big mountain we're climbing. Jenna, that's a horrible thing that you're having to deal with. And I'm very, very sorry. Thanks. It's, um, I, I will, I, I don't know. I don't know. More later. Okay. Gordon, any other thoughts before we let you go on that? Well, thank you for taking the call. Uh, just talking about it um, makes me feel a lot better. Just kind of getting them off my chest. And uh, Jenna, maybe you might want to consider rethinking that decision because I think a second child might be a good thing for you. But I, I don't want to... But, don't want to influence you, but I just, you know. Why is that? The first one turned out really well. The second one, too. <laughs> more, more must be better, right? I don't know. No, Gordon, I, I hope you're right. I hope, <laughs> I hope you feel okay about that. You, Andrew said it well. You didn't do anything wrong. You were just being honest. And and uh, I, I really don't think they would have treated her any different. That that's the, the mindset is to keep people alive as long as possible, no matter what. And yeah. Well, is there so, a way for you to find out how they treated her? It, like, if, if they, like, any evidence of this? Well, what ended up happening, and this gets into a whole different topic, she died of a stage four bed sore. Ooh. And um, I sued for wrongful death. Mm -hmm. And because it was a horrible death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I did get an out of court settlement. I don't think I can say exactly how much. Because I think that Please might don't. have been part of the agreement. Yeah, no, don't. It, was, it almost yeah. certainly it was. Don't say. Yeah, don't say any more. Moral victory, though. You know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's it's all about holding them accountable for their behavior. That's the main thing. It's not about the monetary settlement. But but thanks again for calling, Gordon. I appreciate your support. Hang in there, buddy. Thank yeah. you. You take care now. Okay, now. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I I refuse to lie as well. So if, if yeah. the honest people are going to get taken down, well, then fine. I'd rather not live here. So, yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, uh, that's why you do what you do, right, Andrew? This is what's going on in this country. It is, and it's why FFRF has those dual purposes to educate and to separate. It's you know, it's it's not enough to just do the law, and especially it's not enough to do the law right now. 
when our, when our courts have been taken over by by Christian nationalists. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, my my heart really goes out to Gordon there. Um, yeah, it's a terrible thing to go through. And the positions um, that we're put in just just by being non-religious is just it's just yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Andrew, in your book, uh, the first one, the founding myth, excellent work. I mean, my God, it's just uh, you've gotten a lot of I think a lot of do credit credit for that and you've done it's incredible my the the notations the research you did mm. wow i mean how long did that take by the way that took a long time uh, i mean there there are over a thousand citations yeah in the book uh, now, now and i, I want to say you don't have to read them to read or enjoy <laughs> the book um those are there because i knew that i was facing this this juggernaut that was going to pick apart any little error they could um and then build it you know make a mountain out of that molehill and say look see so in that uh, in that light i've seen you on a show a couple of shows here and there and i've mm -hmm. seen you take calls from people who argue incessantly that this is a christian nation what 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 has been the if you could pick the primary pushback on that book and where are they coming from where do they get their their ammunition, if you will. Yeah, I mean, well, the biggest pushback was when Greg Locke, the, the uh, yeah, good old Greg, pastor. Uh, yeah, he burned the book with a blowtorch. I saw that. I mean, that. So that was that was the biggest pushback. I don't think that's what you're asking for, though. I, you know, if you're, you're no, but I bet that increased sales. I bet you got a, a little bump on that, didn't you? It did. It was. Uh, it had the opposite. It had not the intended effect. Uh, so, oh my god, that was amazing. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate Greg there. Uh, the the most interesting thing that I have found about the book is I wanted to make it I wanted to make it kind of comprehensive, right? I, and so I, I was careful to, you know, I, I spent basically ten years writing the book, start to finish, researching, getting it published, wow. all that, and all that time I was engaging in these arguments mm -hmm. um, and, and and fighting <laughs> both online and for FFRM everywhere, and right. I thought for sure that when I published the book, new people would come out of the woodwork with better arguments or newer arguments that I hadn't encountered yet. And the most surprising thing is that that hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. I, have yet, I have yet to hear an argument that I did not address in the book somewhere. Um, and, and that to me has just been the most striking thing. They're not, that they've got nothing. <laughs> they, but, but, but I know they do. I know they don't. But I, yeah. we're going to talk about David Barton here in a minute because I, yeah. I, I want to. I know you you touch on that, but yeah. but we're going to come back to that because I, I have connections there. But what are the things that you hear? What are their main arguments for the what their position? So the things that I hear the most um, are are in part four of the book. And, okay. you know, part four of the book is I, I call argument by idiom, American verbiage. And it, it's the part of the book that I actually didn't want to write. And I'm bitter that I had to write it because the arguments are so bad, but they're the most popular ones. And, it, and it's things that everybody here has heard before, too. Right. We are one nation under God. Right. And in God, we trust. And they people say, so help me, God, when they swear on the Bible to become president. It, mm -hmm. It's these these catchphrases that don't date to the founding era or, right. or, or don't exist in some cases um, a, a, that people think prove that we are this Christian nation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's what I devote part four of the book to ripping those to shreds. Uh, for instance, so help me God is not in the presidential oath in the constitution. Mm-hmm. That, that is the only oath that appears in our constitution and it does not include the words, so help me God. Those are added on. And that's actually a, a pretty recent addition to and in And in God, we trust on our money in, in the, the communist sphere era. Yeah. Uh, so the first popped up on the coins uh, uh, starting 1864. I tell the story of how that happened. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it goes back to a preacher, a guy named Mark Watkinson. Uh, and Watkinson wrote the Secretary of the Treasury, Salmon Chase. Uh, and he said that the trust of our people should be declared on our coins. Basically, people are going to remember us as a heathen nation if we don't make it through this civil war because we've only got Lady Liberty on our coins. We need to put the Christian God on the coins. Mm-hmm. And Salmon Chase is like the person to hear this argument because he actually tried to amend the U.S. Constitution. Uh, so instead of saying we the people, you know, the great preamble that we have, he wanted to add Jesus Christ to the preamble. Right, right, right. Uh, and so Chase writes to the director of the Mint, James Pollock, and say, yeah, they go, yeah, all right, we're going to do it. Um, and then they get Congress to sign on. So I tell that whole story and all there's so many more crazy and fun details uh, Mm -hmm. there. And this is one of the first waves of Christian nationalism that our country survived. Um, And then again, in the 1950s, it went, went absolutely crazy. And that's when also we got under God and the pledge. Right. Um, And then my favorite is the, the presidential tradition of ending uh, speeches. God bless America. Yeah. That, that Uh. dates, that dates to Nixon's first, address about Watergate that he made from the Oval Office. That was the first time he did that. And I talk about why he did that and why would he invoke religion and Christmas in the middle of April? What's the, to distract people from the fact that he was a thief and a crook. Yeah. 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 yeah, He's, he's about as much of a Christian president as Trump was. Um, Thank you, Michael, Darren Wright for your super chats. Appreciate your support. Um, I may have missed another one. Sorry, but they get lost. So I I, I don't want to, not mention them. Thank you guys for your support. If you do, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, folks, please do and like it. Um, so the argument that I want to that I want to hit back at, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm a Christian, and I'm this is a Christian nation, Andrew, mm-hmm. and most of the people in this country are Christians, and we need the Christian morality in this country. And what's so wrong with having a Christian nation? And if people don't want to be Christians. There's plenty of other places they can live in the world. <laughs> so what's wrong with that? those arguments? What, what's so bad about having a Christian nation, Andrew? Well, I mean, the, the moment we become a Christian nation, we will cease to be America. I mean, America was truly the first nation that was founded on a secular constitution. Uh, one of the, the truly unique contributions of the American experiment to political thought is separating state and church, a, mm-hmm. a secular government. We, the Constitution banned religious tests for public office. That was a first. The Constitution drew its power from the people, not from a god. That was a right. first. Um, that separation of state and church was something that had never been done. It had been talked about, but it had never been done. Um, it, that is what truly made America unique. So to turn our backs on that is to turn our backs on you know, the founding principle of America. And this, the, uh, the morality one is actually pretty fun. I'll, I'll just <laughs> this up. 
I get into morality right there in chapter two, religion yeah. and morality, because I saw that, that. It's one of I the most saw, popular arguments. Yeah, I read. I was just reading that recently, and you you really handled that. I mean, you 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 crushed it. Well, thank but you. but they're still going to say you've still yes. got the David Bartons out there. Mm -hmm. For folks who don't know who David Barton is, just Google him. Uh, here, here's my connection. My, my, I have a nephew who works for him, the Wall Builders. Really? Um, yeah, went to uh, some Bible college, and then um, so you know David Barton was educated at, at ORU and uh, Christian education. Uh, That's what his degree is in. Yeah, Christian education, and it makes him an expert in in U.S. history. Yeah. And it, and and his books were even pulled by a Christian. Uh, booksellers right yes, they were so yeah, they sure. were so filled with fallacies his book about thomas jefferson which he called the jefferson lies which is like just right there on the nose dave uh <laughs> he it was it was so full of fallacies that it was pulled off the shelf by thomas nelson publishers which publishes bibles right thomas i mean they're, nelson, they're, that's they're, the they're the most christian the, publisher yeah, they're, the most christian the publishing house in the country <laughs> and they're in the business of you know promoting this thank you will propaganda hey i know will hey will Hey, well, um, Judy, thank you, buddy. Thank you, Oz. Sorry. Yeah. No. So, I mean, it's 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 crazy, and there are always going to be people who are going to listen to the David Bartons of the world because David Barton is out there just doing his damnedest to to he's live up to their confirmation bias, right? He's That's proselytizing. Yeah, and and and, but how he's he's looking at the same history you're looking at, you're the same notes that you that you reference. How does he come up with a completely different version of history? I mean, he's looking through it through at it through a stained glass lens, right? Okay. I mean, he is, again, it's that confirmation bias. He sees what he wants to see in those letters um, and, and ignores, straight up ignores the letters that he doesn't like. Also in the habit of selectively and creatively editing the quotes from the founding fathers, um, mm -hmm. you know, including removing important phrases and and just inventing them when uh, he doesn't have things to go. He had there was a mini scandal a while back uh, when he got caught um, with a bunch of quotes on his website that were just completely false. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually so, used to be that kind of person as well. Where what's that? Anything that I heard that went against what I already thought. Oh, well, that just doesn't make sense. So that's yeah. just somebody must have been wrong, right? Well, people, yeah, and people need to be careful. I mean, you know, it was Abe Lincoln who said, uh, you know, be careful what you read on the internet. It may not be true. <laughs> <laughs> so the, yeah, but, it took you a minute, Jenna. Took you a minute. <laughs> it did. It did. See, I, it, I'm still catching up, y'all. <laughs> no, like, like this is a. It's a the. The disinformation ecosystem on that side is intense and comprehensive and closed, uh, and, and I talk about I talk about that in the in the founding myth as well. This the, how religion creates these closed information systems deliberately to prevent exactly that kind of thing, and then you you all of a sudden you get a crack in that 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 force field really, um, right? And, and you know real information can get in and. What we had, what we need to do is encourage people who are spotting those cracks to open them up on their own, right? Like, I, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna, technology. yeah, like I'm not gonna convince you in an argument, uh, Dave Barton, that that you're wrong. But like your your listeners who are not completely shut down to that, who may go pick up a copy of the Founding Myth, um, those are the people. I, I'm looking. I'm not looking to convince the diehard Christian nationalists. No, that I'm the looking people to on the border. That, that middle fifty percent of the country. 
that right. Christian nationalism is wrong, that it's anti-American, and that it's a, a serious, serious threat to this country. And I've actually, yeah. um, so this is the founding myth right now on hardback, but um, on uh, in November, um, in just a couple of weeks, a new paperback edition is coming out, and I've I've written a new epilogue that's all about January sixth. That really, oh, really? That, that talks about and shows how Christian nationalism is not really a debate about the founding of our nation. Um, that that it, on January sixth, you know, it ripped off its historical mask, Scooby Doo style, mm-hmm. and showed the world that it really is about seizing power in the here and now. Right. So uh, it's uh, so if anybody's interested, go pre-order that that uh, the paperback right when now. When does that come out? When comes out in November. Comes out okay, and it's got an addendum basically. Uh, to yeah, it's a brand it. new epilogue, all new material, and it's all about okay. January sixth. So thank you, Corey Springer. Thank you, John Fabiano, and who did I miss there? Tyram 06. Thank you guys so much, Jenna. We're gonna hold. We're gonna ask you right now uh, and hold you accountable for this. Um, horrible abortion law that that just passed in your state I, I we 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 thought you guys down there were doing a better job of keeping your state sane but yeah. apparently not we um, almost went purple a couple years ago i don't know I mean, voter, I, voter I, suppression is a powerful thing yeah well, and, the, uh, and the pandemic and trump had something to do with that i, I want to take a call in a minute but a, af, afterwards i want to get back to uh the subject uh, or really the the question, Jenna and, Jenna and I were talking about it uh, backstage before we came on. What can we do? Uh, where are we going as a nation? What can John Q. Public do about what's happening? But first, we're going to take a call from Tiger. Um, I think he's called before, if I remember. Tiger, uh, how religion has polluted Native American community. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting conversation. Hey, Tiger, you there? Hey, yeah, I'm here, boss. What's up? How you doing, Tiger? You're on with Jenna and Andrew. What's on your mind? Well, uh, I'm a, I'm a member of the Seneca Cayuga tribe in Northeast Oklahoma, and uh, I, I've been an atheist all my life. Um, I it, it's it's horrible what religion has done to our tribe in its own right. It's ridiculous. They, they have prayers at the meetings now, and basically Native Americans were pantheists hmm. throughout most of the history from talking with my cousins and, and the tribal elders. They were basically pantheists, but there's this new wave of Christianity springing up, and I would say three-quarters of most Indians at, at the last tribal census were identified as Christians. And I, I just, you know, it, it really gets to me. It's really personal to me. Why do you think that's happening? And what's been the fallout of it, in your opinion? I, I just think it's immersion, you know, into, into, uh, into the societal norms. And it's just, it's, it doesn't, it really has destroyed the tribe. Because the meetings now... Uh, they pull that crap where, you know, they're, they're talking about who's more godly than the other ones and who, who the chieftain is. They, they start pressing their religion as a, uh, as a selling point to the other tribal members. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of how it goes? And, and it's, it's, 
What's that, yeah, Jenna? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you ask? It's how it spreads, right? It's horrible. Well, I missed what well, you I'm said, Jenna. I was trying to sympathize, and I think I ended up cutting you off. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Thank you, Randy Whitney. I see your chat there. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Randy. Yeah, and I and and by the way, Jenna, I have a law degree from uh, the University of Texas at Austin. Awesome. And I have a, a, and I have a master's from CU Denver in mathematics and theoretical physics. Fantastic. That's so cool. I'm I'm familiar with Texas. I thought Austin was great when I was there. I, I thought it was a, a wonderful place, but I understand it's kind of like its own enclave. It's um. Well, at least in Austin, you know, you're you're in a little blue dot and a big red sea. Um, I'm kind of on the edge of that. <laughs> um, well, Andrew, oh, wow. Andrew, I know that you, uh, I saw you post something or write something. You wrote something mm -hmm. recently after that um, that law that uh, Texas passed. What's it yeah. called again? The SBA. Uh, SBA. Yeah, someone in yeah. the chat asked, asked about what your opinion of that. Tell us yeah. what your, your thoughts on that were. I mean, I, I went... I think I went live on YouTube with a couple of beverages in me that evening. Um, yeah, you were you were pretty lit up about it. I was. I, I am still very lit up about it. Uh, I'm still angry about it. I mean, it's it's the Supreme Court is just robbing Texans of their constitutional rights uh, with with impunity, and and I mean it's this is it's it's a it's the beginning of something, right? This isn't the culmin the, the end of row is not the culmination right. of what they've been trying to do. It's the beginning of what they're going to do. I mean, they're coming for contraception next. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they've, they've made that like just abundantly clear. If you are paying attention, they're coming for, they're coming for marriage equality. Um, and I, I talked about all this in my, I think the rant's over on my YouTube channel. I think that's where I did it. Um, and we're tracking it obviously very closely at the Freedom From Religion Foundation um, and have been reporting on every every stage of it, um, doing a lot of episodes of Ask an Atheist on it, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 you know, and Tiger, to your point, um, I mean, the, 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 the history of, of Christianity's interactions with Native Americans in North America is just just despicable yeah um, i mean it's a boring know, yes yeah. i agree i mean it really i mean you you know you look at like junipero sarah um in california and in the southwest and and the other uh you know catholic uh proselytizers mm. um you know they they brought they brought fire and the sword and the cross um i mean you know look up in canada at the at what we're hearing about from the the catholic schools up there um and, and this Absolutely. is, and, and we had similar schools here, you know, uh, the tr taking indigenous children from their parents and putting them in Christian schools to turn them into good little Christians. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's genocide. That's genocide. Um, so yeah, it, it absolutely is. But it's, it's, you know, and Andrew, that's one thing I've, I've, I never, uh, took my bar exams. I just operated as a legal researcher, mm -hmm. but, I was pretty adept at bringing native law into the court system cool. because you can yeah. do that. You can actually yeah. bring uh, tribal law in there. Yeah, it's a really fascinating. I'm and I'm I'm not a not a adept or well versed in it, but it's really fascinating because it operates. It's essentially like a dual sovereignty system that operates 
parallel and then also kind of weaves its way into our system and it's it can be really useful um at times it's really fascinating forgive me yeah it, it really can um it's but it, it's you know that's that's the other thing is i was going to ask you this andrew i'm a big fan of yours by the way well, thank you thank you um i was going to ask you what there i mean there's so many legal safeguards in place to take care of what trump's been doing it's just they're not using them why why do you think there's this uh, hesitancy to go after this guy? Well, I mean that's hard it's hard to know. Uh, I think a lot a lot of the checks that were designed in our system uh, failed, right? Like like he should have been impeached and removed from office. Like there's no real doubt about that. Right, uh, right. And he was and he was Absolutely. impeached twice. But po the the political party structure prevented him from being removed from office um, and and you know the, if you go back and read what the founders wrote about political parties um they were very very they were very concerned that political parties were going to crop up and the kind of damage that they would do to our system but they didn't right. design the system yeah. th thinking it was going to happen and it and it did immediately right george washington's cabinet is where where the country first divided so mm. um it, it's yeah and george washington he spoke out against political yeah. parties yeah i mean you go read his farewell address and <laughs> Hey, I you want know, to if you're going to go, uh, if you're going to go political parties, I think you should have like they do in Europe, where you have like thirty parties, so hey, you don't get that massive majority. Here. Before we go off the political deep cliff here, which we all could do because we could we could all get ranting about it. There's a there's a good question in the chat. Thank you, D Anna, for your super chat. This question, Andrew. Um, what argument to use when people say baker forced to bake gay wedding cake is same as a black baker forced to make a cake for KKK party? Yeah. I, so, so I actually, I, I spend a lot of time um, in the new book on okay. that. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a terrible argument once you understand the structure of the case. Um, so the, the short version is that the masterpiece cake shop case was brought under the Colorado civil rights law. And the, okay. the all, so all civil rights laws operate on the same sort of basic principle. They list groups of people that are protected. So these are protected classes and it's things like race, things like religion, or in Colorado's case, sexual orientation. So those are the groups of people that are protected. And then they say um, those people are protected from discrimination in certain places of Usually the phrase is public accommodation. And basically this means like, hey, if you're going to organize under the laws of the state of Colorado as a business, say a bakery, and you're going to get all the protections that come with being a limited liability corporation or whatever, then we're going to attach some strings to that. And one of those is that you have to serve everybody um, equally, regardless of their race or their religion or their sexual orientation. Perfectly normal. Uh, uh, 47 of the states have them. There's Federal Civil Rights Act. We have them for all different kinds of areas of, of law. And so what you have is in Colorado, that law protecting that gay couple from that business discriminating against them. And in the hypothetical that you have, the KKK is not a protected class. Right. They're not one of the groups that are listed under the civil rights law. So they're not protected. So it just it doesn't apply. 
And you could make the art, you could go lobby and try to get the KKK protected under the Civil Rights Act. But good fucking luck with that. Excuse me, I don't know if, if I'm allowed to curse on your show. <laughs> I'm just trying. No, I, my motto is carpet. Hey, Andrew, my motto is carpet the fucking diem. You know who you're okay. talking to, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, so, but the, the, point, the point being, right, like these are statutory rights that we have agreed upon that extend to certain classes Okay, of but couldn't they come in and say, agree. couldn't they come in and say, hey, KKK is a religion? I mean, they, and they, they, I mean, in, in that case, they, they could have an argument, right? And you and they can they can make that argument. Um, right. The KKK could come in and say, "No, that you're discriminating against us on the basis of religion because we're Christian." Mm -hmm. um, and in which case, I mean, then you get into kind of the nitty gritty on that. Um, the, and and that's not an unreasonable argument if you're familiar with the history of the KKK. I mean, there's well, a reason, absolutely there's yeah. a reason they burn crosses, right? Yeah. Um, so, so uh, but, but that's different than just saying the KKK, right? Um, and so, and I actually get into all of these different hypos with the Nazis and, right. um, and it's real, I mean, it's also real, you know, I, I, again, I interviewed the gay couple, uh, Charlie and David, who were at the center of that case. And, you know, oh, we, yeah. had, we, we had a couple of really long conversations and they said, and they said, you know, why was it always the KKK and Nazis? Like, like that's, mm -hmm. why were we always compared with compared the KKK? To that. And yeah. And I mean, it is, it is kind of telling not, not to suggest that, uh, you're, you're, uh, commenter is anything like that but because it is it was a super common um no i appreciate and i think i think d was that's a good good question yeah. good, good comment go i got one more question for you i yeah, have no. one more question tiger, for you. yeah tiger I'll, I'll, I'll answer i just want to say i i go over all of those different hypos and i, I rip Get them the all book, to shreds and explain yep. them. so yeah yeah but go ahead tiger i'm i'm, I'm ready Okay, um, well, no, I'm wondering, CNN, when I was in Los Angeles, I live in Colorado now, mm -hmm. but when I was in Los Angeles and Walmart was trying to move in, a lot of the cities voted them out. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Articles of Incorporation. And why, why do you think that they, they operate under the Articles of Incorporation? Why don't more places use that? to get rid of bad business, to get I mean, rid of really bad business practices. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd want to look at um, kind of exactly what you're talking about and, and which cities were doing that. I mean, you know, and cities and towns especially, you know, they have all kinds of tools at their disposal for zoning uh, and, and, and excluding and, and the way they, they build, you know, like for, I mean, I'm here in Madison, Wisconsin, and when FFRF was building our brand new free thought hall, this, you know, gorgeous building where we're, we're housed. Um, there, it was, it was a nightmare working with, you know, the, the historical commission and all, all these different city commissions. And I mean, luckily FFRF had a team of lawyers that they, they, they're like, Hey, go deal. Andrew, go deal with this. I'm like yeah. spending my nights at the, these, these awful city commission meetings. Um, but yeah, I, I, so, I mean, Tiger, I, I'm sorry, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm reverting and seeking refuge in the classic lawyer answer, which is really, it depends. And I need to know more information. Yeah. It's, that's a, <laughs> well, that's I, I, the a, only reason I bring that up is because most articles of incorporation have a clause in there that if you don't serve a benefit to the community, yeah, that they can revoke your license, and that—that's just my, you know. I know it's overgeneralization, but I just, you know, I don't see why more cities don't do that to get a higher wage for their employees. Well, I mean, you're also 
there might be a there might be a flaw in your presumption that that city councils are working for the best. <laughs> yeah, and not all city councils are created <laughs> They're citizens. Uh, so I mean that that could be could be part of the the disconnect on this one. Well, thank you, Tiger. Good to hear okay, from you well, again, buddy. Thank okay. you, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, Tiger's nice man. chatting. Bye bye. Yeah, let's see. Tiger is a good guy. He's uh, he gets pretty fired up there. <laughs> a lot to be fired uh, up about. Yeah, there really you is. Know, people have been so. Uh, I want to say thanks to Taram06. He's got the world's most expensive cup. He uh, he ordered one of my uh, dying out loud cups and had it shipped to England. So after <laughs> tax tax and shipping, it was like a fifty dollar coffee mug. So <laughs> use it well, brother. Use it well. Um, we got we'll take another call in a minute but jenna just let's revisit dexter's doing great by the way so good <laughs> good job there dexter um let's revisit with andrew the the thing you and i were chatting about pre-show um I, I told i told i told jenna pre-show that and i'll just be honest i'm very discouraged about where we are as a country and how we can move forward. What can we do? So Jenna, revisit what you were saying to me before Andrew came on. Well, I was just going to say that I think that that's kind of why I, I feel like I'm a good fit for the show today, especially is because I'm kind of that new person that's new to politics. I shut it out um, before because there was just so much and I didn't know where to start or how to learn. Um, and it just all made me so mad and hurt me. So I just avoided it. So now I'm kind of this new person, kind of like, I mean, still from like a year ago um, uh, when we did Godless Bitches. But I'm that person that I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Is this country headed in a bad direction? Is there something I should be concerned about? What can I do as just a general citizen who doesn't really even know where to start? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. Um, and it's probably one that I, it's probably one that I get asked all the time, not necessarily in the context of politics and what to do as a country, but specifically, you know, when I was, when I was touring the country or touring the virtual country, um, talking about the founding myth, you know, what, what do we do about Christian nationalism? How do we fight for a secular country? Um, and, and I mean, there, there are a lot of different answers, but I mean, they all essentially do boil down to it. it this we cannot sit on the sidelines anymore. You have you have to figure out a way that you can get involved that is comfortable for you. Um, whether that is joining, you know, secular groups or political groups that reflect your values, um, whether it's just supporting them, um, whether it's actually doing something more concrete. Um, one thing that I tell everybody is um, you have a voice. You have to use it. And, and often that boils down to something as simple as refusing to um, be vague about who you are, coming mm -hmm. out of the closet if you can do so safely as a non-believer. Right? I think that that's actually, if, you're, if we're talking about secularism, that's one of the most powerful things that any individual can do. Um, it, you know, it really, we know for a fact that it can make a huge difference. Um, another thing that I really like to encourage people to do more on the political side is to run for office. And I know that a lot of people, <laughs> I, Jenna, your reactions. Jenna's reaction was no, amazing. I love it's it. Exactly <laughs> what I, it's exactly what I got. And, and the number one thing that I would hear when I would say this, when I, when I was able to travel the country was, 
look, Andrew, that's a great idea in theory, but I'm, I'm not qualified for that. Um, there's obviously time commitments that people are worried about, but mostly what I would hear is, is I'm not qualified to which I say, Look at Marjorie Taylor Greene. Laura Bobert. Look <laughs> at Laura Bobert. I, I mean, I, inspiration. No, I mean, like seriously, like the the other side is not stopping to question their. You are well, you are more qualified than ninety. If you are watching this, you're more qualified than ninety percent of the people in American government right now. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, this it, it's it's well, not a joke. Like, you, I you was can actually thinking. I was actually thinking before you said that, Andrew. I I'm I'm just thinking. It when are when are you going to run for office? Because you talking about qualified. Hmm. My God. I mean, seriously, uh, I, I would seriously think you could do an incredible amount of good in politics when the time comes. And I know that's another world than what you're in now. But I mean, my God, I just would love to see you wade into that water. I mean, right. you're not the first person to. Say I know, I know, that. I know. Um, it's, it's, it's something I've certainly considered. I mean, I write in the founding myth that I, there is this, the, the claw, the phrase Christianity is un-American, which might make it a little difficult to get elected in the United States, but not impossible. And I'd be certainly willing to give it. Well, a it, it, is, so, it is, it is difficult to get elected, but like to your point, Andrew, you know, yeah. uh, Gail Jordan ran, ran for office in Tennessee yeah. and, and, and it's not a, to me, it's a chipping away at the, at, the, at, at the rock. You may not get elected. You may not, you know, the first three or four or five or 10 or 20 or 50 of us are banging our head against the wall, but eventually we're going to beat down the resistance. And I, I mentioned that a lot, Andrew. I love that point. I know it's a very personal thing for people to come out as an atheist or even non-religious and it can cost them family members. It can cost them community respect. It, cost, it can cost a lot. I've experienced that personally. But it is, we're at a point where the stakes are pretty damn high. Yeah. And if we don't start speaking up and being who we are and being authentic, then we're not ever going to get there. And I, no. I really vehemently believe that. I 100% agree. And I, I agree with the chipping away. That is one of the reasons that I encourage people to run, um, even if you don't win. It, it makes a difference. And, yeah. you know, Jen, Jenna, to your point earlier about <clears throat> the one uh, politics depends on the, oh, that overwhelmed feeling of amb amb leading to amb being, you're so overwhelmed, you're just going to be ambivalent. Because right. there's just it, it's too much. And, and honestly, they depend on that. I mean, and you could, there are on, on having fewer people vote, for instance, definitely benefits one side of this equation. Mm -hmm. uh, that That is the strategy, uh, right? Like it's not. And they're blatant about it. They don't even care what it looks like anymore. They're not even yeah. being subtle. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. It seems, it seems when it comes to like, you know, credibility of us running. Um. I just, the fact that, for example, like me, like I'm now an outspoken atheist. Mm -hmm. I'm an opinionated person. Mm -hmm. um, feels like I would probably have to be much more open about, I mean, I, as, as middle of the line as I am, I would think that the general public would never vote for like an out, an outright atheist. I mean, that that's happened before. And I mean, you know, Megan Hunt yeah. in Nebraska is it's kind of an inspiration, I think, on this point. Um, she's... Hunt. She's a brilliant legislator, um, and she's an she's an out non-believer. She's talked about this, she, but she just really strives to do very well for her community. Um, 
Juan Mendez and Athena Salmon in Arizona are both out, uh, you know, state senator and a state representative. Um, I mean, they're, we're, they're getting there. we're getting there. We're getting there very slowly. We're getting there. Um, yeah. And it has to start somewhere. I yeah. mean, and, you know, I mean, look, you're not going to you're not going to you know, file papers tomorrow and then win a Congress, a congressional seat, probably. Um, but I mean, look what's happening at the school boards right now. Right. Having having a rational, reasonable voice at your local school board can make a huge difference right now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and and by the way, this is what the Christian nationalists are telling their people to do. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're not I afraid. Would... They're not. They're, I mean, they're chosen by God. So they're like all, mm. all in. That's their qualifications. I was raised to be <laughs> aware of the public schools becoming, you know, demonized by secular people and mm -hmm. trying to get people to believe that that it's actually normal for like two men to be married. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> yeah. I do want to get to one more There's call. We have, love each other. Um, and right. we have a, we have a sharp cut off at, at uh, the half hour. So whatever yeah. hour it is, I'm in a weird place here. I, I don't know what time it is, <laughs> but uh, thank you left, right, left for your super chat donation. We want to get to Chelsea. She, her in North Carolina, having trouble finding, Family outside of her blood family isn't being respectful. How do you find that family and build community? Let's chat a minute with Chelsea. Hello, Chelsea. Are you there? Hello. I'm here. Hey, Thank Chelsea. You're, me. Yeah, you're on with Dave, Jenna, and Andrew. What can we help you with today? Um, what you just said, and also before we get started on that, I just ha have a quick question for Andrew. Um, okay about his audiobook for the um oh shoot i forgot the name of it um <laughs> the founding myth why christian nationalism myth. is un-american the founding myth thank you i'm so sorry i apologize no it's okay it's quite all right um the founding i'm myth. happy to say it over and over again. Okay. <laughs> founding myth founding myth yeah <laughs> anyway i bought that i bought the book but um well done. i read it and then i gave it to my um christian friend who I had a discussion, long discussion with one time when she was over here in my place. Um, first first of her. all, that's that's the best thing ever, and everybody should be like you. So yes, well done. Yeah, I gave it to her because we had a long discussion about um, politics and stuff. She's apolitical, and I'm trying to get her to vote. Mm -hmm. So, did you have a question um, about the audio book for Andrew? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'm getting off track. That's okay. Uh, I'll yeah. keep you on track. We got to. We got a short. I'm trying to get the book. I'm trying to get the. I'm trying Go to ahead. get the book back, like through audiobook instead. Um, I'm letting her keep the book. I just want mm -hmm. the audiobook because I got Amazon Fire. But I have a question about that. Um, Amazon Fire. Um, do you have to? I just recently got it, and I I don't have a credit card. Do you have to have a credit card to um? actually download books and get books i have no idea unfortunately i do but i uh, hear here here's it but here's a secret for everybody you can get audiobooks from your public library right on your phone and that's what i do oh um, I, lis I listen to a ton of audiobooks um and i do it all through my public library well, i kind of wanted to keep it like you know a keepsake thing not yeah. keepsake but um permanently well, um, I I am reading. Well, maybe reading the the epilogue for the the latest edition of the audiobook. Um, so I, I would also oh, wait. There's another. 
yeah, there's going to be an update um, on it. So I, you might want to wait. Um, and also I'll say this, we at the Freedom From Religion Foundation, I, we sell signed copies through FFRF of the book. And we have a few of the hardback left. Um, and when the paperback comes out, we'll, I don't know if we're going to keep doing that or not. But all you have to do is you go to the FFRF store and you put a little note when you're checking out and say, I want Andrew to sign this book. And here's what I want him to write. And we do that. So um, people are looking for personalized copies, but I, I can't help you out on ordering something on Amazon, unfortunately. I'm sorry. But Chelsea, uh, to keep back to the, uh, that's okay. We got a, just a few minutes. I wanted to get to uh, the issue you were communicating here that you're having trouble finding and building community outside of your blood family. Uh, what exactly is the, uh, talk to me just a minute about that and we can see if we can help you with that. Okay, um, I ha just just to clarify, I have found community as far as um, I got friends. I got okay. friends from high school that I used to not be friends with, but now I am friends with. But I just want, like, family that I can go to, like, chosen family. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Um, I haven't I just, gotten chosen I, family yet, and I want that to fall back on when I leave my blood family. Jenna, speak to that. I think you're wanting to say something. You're muted. Jenna, you're muted. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say that I've been doing that same kind of thing. Um, not necessarily leaving my blood family, but definitely building a family outside of it because I don't feel like I can be... I am very easily triggered <laughs> by my blood family. <laughs> um, so I've actually been doing that, but I, I, I don't think that you can plan it. Kind of like you can't really plan on finding someone to be in a relationship with, you know, it's not something you can really plan, but you can kind of keep your eye out and just kind of go out to places where you feel comfortable and want to be yourself and then try to find like-minded people maybe. Yeah. And I, I can say in North Carolina, there's a group called the Triangle Free Thought Society, which is huge and a really active chapter. Um, and they're, you know, they're in the Triangle Durham. So I'm not sure where you are, Chelsea, but um, they do have, they have a lot of people. Oh, I got to write that down. Yeah. So, and they're, it's trianglefreethought.org, I think. Put it in the, the um, chat. Put it in the chat. Um, yeah. Triangle Free Thought Society. And I mean, they, they do really great work and they have, you know, they have an entire spectrum of, of people. I need um, to get connected with them and, and go, go to the next meeting. I'm in actually in Charlotte, uh, Chelsea. Yeah. Bevan and I are in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a, a group of uh, uh, free thought people there that have, we've kind of formed in the last year or so um, some good people that we've gotten to know well, there, and, you know, to, and, go ahead, Jenna. I was just gonna say, and extremely importantly, there's what I've discovered is that there's an online community that's mm -hmm. growing secular. That's, I mean, that's kind of how we all found each other um, mm -hmm. is basically. So if you want us also, have you heard of the atheist experience or the ACA? I have. Yeah. So they have a an online group too. Yeah, okay. there, there's several different groups you can join some that are private, even that if you don't want to want your comments to show to the public, that's, you know, you can be yourself. Um, there's, there's a lot of options there as well. Um, and that's kind of how I started mm -hmm. building my non-blood family. Yeah, I think uh, to this point, and I, I do, I've talked about this a lot because my most of my um, actual family is evangelical conservative. We, we don't have much at all in common. And I love them and they love me, but we just don't, I wouldn't say we, we really enjoy community, what, what I would call community. And a lot of people, I think, beat themselves up about their blood family and what it is and what it isn't. 
And the bottom line is you can't control who your family is, but you can control who you do community with. And that's really, that's really the most important part. And, and family can, you know, the idea that blood is thicker than water, who, who made, who made that rule? Uh, who, who says that's true? That, my, that's not, my aunt. <laughs> well, that may not be true. Mom, mom. Just because someone says it doesn't, either. yeah, just because someone says it doesn't make it true. And um, so this idea that we owe something to our blood family can can bring a lot of guilt and shame to us if that's not what we want it to be or not what we think it should be or what people tell us it should be. There's so much of that that we can't control, but we can control who we spend time with, who we value, who we build community with. And, we, and that's the honestly, that's the, really the only thing we can control. So. To, to the point that Jenna and, and Andrew were both making, there, there are groups out there in person you can connect with. There are groups online you can connect with. And you can build a community around you that's like-minded that, that you can share life with. It's, it's there. You just have to dig a little deeper sometimes than, than you might normally do. Yeah, There's also very... your friendly neighborhood atheist is this guy that we know. Get up, Ethan <laughs> Michael, my producer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, look, friends are the family you choose, right? I, and right. I think, exactly. I think that's, that's what we're talking about here. And um, I, and I also, I do, there is a ton of support out there for people who are going through the same kind of thing. Um, you know, and I, yeah. I tried to, I'd actually tried to write this up. Normally I write op-eds, you know, deal with the law, things like that. But I, I recently, for religion dispatches, I wrote a love letter to ex-evangelicals and people who are deconstructing. And I tried to share that in the comments. I don't know if it went through or not, but um, you, you can go find it on religion dispatches where I, I really try. I mean, it, what you're doing is, is so impressive and it's, it's not easy. Right. I mean, like, mm -hmm. like when you, when people are mm -hmm. leaving and deconstructing their faith and you know, it, 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 it has, it affects your family and, and so much of what you do, it, it's not easy. Uh, and it is something that I think you should be incredibly proud of. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, to, and, like I, I always, well, go, I'll let people go read it. I know we're short on time. I'll leave it there. Well, that's, that's what, that's important. What Andrew said, Chelsea. So keep, keep, uh, keep working toward making a better life for yourself, making your life better, do it, taking charge of your life. If you come out of religion, which I don't know if you did or not, but I did. And Jenna did. And I don't know if I don't I did. Think Andrew did. Um, it, you're, you're, you're told that you can't really advocate for your own self. You, you know, you're told to deny yourself and submit to others. And that really does a number on your, on your sense of self-worth and self-control. And it takes a while to build that back. So be kind to yourself and be patient with yourself and keep working toward that person you want to be. All right. Thanks for your call, Chelsea. Thank you for having me. I Thank appreciate you for your it a support. lot. All, all right. Bye-bye. Andrew, Dave. Bye. 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 I tell you, it's it's uh, this um, getting free from religion. It's uh, not easy. Recovering from religion stays busy, busy, busy. You guys are fighting a battle on the legal and informational front, and they fight the battle on helping people get free from indoctrination and control and trauma and all those things. Um, parting thoughts, Andrew. I, I feel like this hour and a half went by so fast because there was so much we could talk about. It did. But it blew by. What, what would you leave us with as, as the, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit already. We might, might even recap 
But what's the big issue, the, the thing that keeps you awake at night other than writing your books? But <laughs> what, what is the thing? Well, those get me up in the morning, right? Okay, um, right. I mean, one thing that I, that I come back to is, is so much of what we are dealing with today, so much of the problems that we're facing really traces back to Christian nationalism, mm -hmm. which is what the founding myth is about. It's, it's what this crusade to weaponize religious freedom is about, right? And, and I'm, I'm thinking about this in the legal space. This is where I spend most of my time. Right. Um, but it, it, it is very much in the political space and in the, the democracy arena as well. And, and at its most basic level, America is a shared idea and Christian nationalism refuses to share. It excludes mm. non-Christians. Non it excludes. That's a damn good statement. Damn. You ought to write that down <laughs> in a book or something that Christian <laughs> refused to share. That is so true. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it like, right. It, ex amazing. it excludes non-Christians. It excludes yeah. the wrong kinds of Christians. Right. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a liberal Christian, you're not included. If you're a black Christian, you're not included. But, but America will never be a Christian nation because the moment it becomes a Christian nation, it will cease to be America. Mm -hmm. And those two things cannot peacefully coexist. One is going to triumph. And that is really the choice that we face as a nation, Christian nationalism or America. We yeah. can't have both. That's a, that's a powerful statement. And, and it flies in the face of everything that my evangelical Christian friends and family really think is true. Um, and, and they would, they would be incredulous that someone would utter those words out of their mouth. Um, but well, do feel you, free to share this with them. I'm happy to oh, share with them. No, I, I would love, I would love to have these conversations with them. Um, I don't know if they watch or not. If you're watching family, here we are, call in. We'd love to chat. Um, but you know, I, they, all, all the stuff I do is out there very, very, very public. So they're, it's mm -hmm. easily accessible to anyone, whether they agree with me or not. But I'm like you, Andrew. I am, um, I am more and more, I'm more vocal about these things than I've ever been in my life because I think that these things are that important and that people's, I mean, I've, I've, I've dealt with so many people who deal with tremendous religious trauma. Mm -hmm. So I'll continue to talk about those issues as long as I have breath. <laughs> And, and I see the, the damage that's happening to this country, which I love this country. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm troubled by the direction that it's going and the, and the things that we keep having to deal with. This, the, you know, this effort to overturn, to basically make, as you said, make the Supreme Court uh, give them control of the country. And we're, we're you know, if, if a president can put the right people in, he can get everything he wants done. That's That's a... That's a, a king. That's that's not a democracy. And so, yeah, we just have a lot of work to do. And at times I get very discouraged that we can get there. Yeah, you just reminded me too, I have to share this. Uh, okay. one, of my, one of my favorite quotes. Um, I love America more than any other country in the world. And exactly for this reason, I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually. Uh, James Baldwin wrote that. And it's it's I think it's a beautiful sentiment. Uh, one I try to try to keep at the forefront of my brain doing the work that mm. I do. Well, you do incredible work. I am a huge fan of what you do, what FFRF does. Um, I've been in touch with Dan recently. He's reading a, uh, a preview of my book. He's going to do a blurb on it. And um, uh, actually, uh, someone else that was looking at, at it for me uh, to just catch some things that I missed 
it reminded me of this quote that I put in there, and I thought it was interesting uh, given today's subject. Um, I was referring back to a, a rally I went to back in uh, 20 years ago when I was still a Christian, and, and there was this called this this rally to call America back to God. And I, I remember thinking in that moment, I was very much an evangelical Christian, very much a Bible believer. And are still, I, and I wrote about it in the book. Why are we still, why are we always trying to make this a Christian nation? Why can't we be happy with just helping people have a better relationship with God and being better people? Why are we trying to make it a Christian? I remember thinking that 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And even as a Christian wondering, something's wrong with this picture. And someone re- quoted that to me and I thought, wow, that's, that was definitely on my mind back then. And, and even more so now, because it's um, it's as much a problem as we've ever had. I think you're going to like the new book I got coming, Dave. Ah, oh, God, I can't wait. I love your writing, by the way. You're actually a brilliant writer and well, thank um, you. and uh, a brilliant man. And I'm a big fan of you, again, a big fan of yours. Hope we get it. Do you have, are you speaking at any conferences coming up next year? Um, the only one that I know of is uh, next month at the FFRF convention. Um, that's the only thing oh. I, I definitely have on the schedule. Um so okay well maybe yeah. we'll meet up at one of those i know dan's speaking at one i'm going to be at in canada in july and um so maybe we'll we'll, we'll both be on on the yeah dan takes all the international invitations oh <laughs> 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 uh, I'll, I'll tell him you said so jenna yeah. any more any <laughs> last thoughts dexter was great by the way good job mom he's pretty good um i would say I never really put this together until after doing this show was that, and being one of those people as a Christian, I looked at it like, yeah, we're a a Christian nation and we accept everybody as long as you're Christian. Yeah. You know, it's like, why, why doesn't that make a broader, why does that, why doesn't that, why did it take this long for that to click? I guess is what I'm trying to, I'm wondering. Well, I mean, like you, you've been raised to believe a certain thing for a mm-hmm. very long time. And right. I mean, like religion is adept at concealing contradictions to minimize. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cognitive dissonance. Right. And oh, it's yeah. not it's not limited to theology. Right. It, it does that everywhere. Right. Um, it, it, and it's and it's had it's had millennia to perfect it. Right. It's, it's evolution in action. Yeah, um, it totally so, is. So, I mean, and this is one of the things that I was trying to get at in in the love letter that I wrote um, for Religion Dispatches is like, like, you should not be hard on yourself when you when you realize things like that. Like, you should be so deeply proud of what you've been able to do. Like, I, 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 Dave, you're right. I was not raised with a religion. My mom. I I thought not. Yeah. My mom Mm -hmm. was like, you know, go to go to go to mass with your Catholic friends. Um go to temple with your Jewish friends. Apparently after I came back from my friend's bar mitzvah, I said I wanted to be Jewish because it was the most fun I'd ever had at a party. Um, and, you know, it, but it became very obvious to me very early on that these mutually exclusive claims to truth were all wrong, right? Mm, like, like yeah. there's no reason that one of them should be right. It's pretty obvious that they're all wrong. But that was easy for me. And yeah. I don't know that I would have had the intellectual courage and fortitude had I been raised in that system to turn around and question it. Of course, I want to say yes, without question, I would. But I don't know that. 
Um, and yeah. I, I, I'm continually impressed by people who do have that courage and intellectual fortitude to follow truth wherever it leads. Yeah. It's if, impressive. If they, and you should feel proud. If Dan Barker and, and me can do it, then you can do it. So, Actually, and I'm I can't beating myself up for not applying for the FAFSA yet, but I want to go back to school. So I might as well throw in like a, a government class or something. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on, man. I've been looking forward to this show again. We, I think we could have talked for hours. Um, it went by really fast. And I'm actually yeah. speaking at that convention as well. Oh, at, yeah. at which one? The one in... Uh, uh, the Faithless Forum? Oh, Faithless Forum. Yeah, that's next mm -hmm. month. No, uh, Andrew's going to be at the, at the Freedom from Religion. That's in uh, Boston, right? Yeah, in Boston. F oh, I thought F you were at the Faithless Forum. FRF. No, no, that's no, the, yeah. Okay. The, wow. Yeah, it's... Um, I think it's November 19th and 20th. Yeah, I wanted to I get that. I think it's the same weekend Faithless Forum is, so can't go to everything. But Yeah, all I know is it's like way too close to when my book manuscript is due. And mm. I, I, I need to be writing, but instead I'm going to be at this thing. So. Well, you're gonna. sounds like you're going to have three hours of sleep a night for a, a yeah. week or two. Yeah. But next week we've got Dr. Josh Bowen on. He wrote oh, The cool. Atheist Guide to the Old Testament. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Yeah, and, and he had Seth Seth read his audio book, which is like, I heard the, that. That's the dream, right? You get yeah. that, that, that velvety yeah. voice. Just yeah. He lured me in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think if I had Seth read my audiobook, people would go pretty quick. That's not Dave Warnock, you know. <laughs> that's not gonna work. They're not, they're not gonna care. <laughs> no, well, that's true. That's true. I love Seth. Well, thanks again, everyone. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Jennifer. Pitch, pitch hitting for Genevieve this week. She'll be back next week, folks. Thanks again for watching. Like and subscribe. And that's our show for this week.